Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Things We Said Today, our weekly talkathon about the Beatles, where we talk about everything, about the, anything and everything we can think of. I'm Steve Marinucci, Beatles Examiner on Examiner.com, and I'm going to introduce my three co-hosts. Uh, first, from Beatle Fan, Mr. <laughs> Al Sussman. Hello, Al. Hey, Steve. How are you? Hello there, everybody. And also from Beatle Fan and our resident musicologist who knows everything about anything, that, including Life with the Lions, Mr. Alan Cozen. Alan? Hey, Steve. Hello, everyone. And finally, last but not certainly least, our longtime uh, Things We Said Today uh, partner, um, Mr. Ken Michaels, host of Every Little Thing. Uh, hello, Ken. Hey there, Steve. Hi, everybody. Our special guest today... Um, uh, who was on stage with Paul McCartney in Columbia, South Carolina, is none other than another Beatle fan person, Mr. Rick Glover. Rick, how are you? Mr. Rick fans on the run. I should have said Rick fans on the run, Glover. Anyway, uh, Rick Glover, how, how are you doing, Rick? Thanks so much. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Rick. Great. Good, Great right? to have you here, Rick. We're gonna, today, we're going to have kind of a, a round robin about a couple of recent the recent Paul McCartney shows and Rick's Rick's experience on stage. Um, Ken and Al saw Paul in Philadelphia. Al, Alan and I have not seen him for a while. And Rick, of course, was on stage with Paul um, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I guess we should start with that, Rick. Um, you've been to how many shows? The Columbia show was my 135th show <laughs> since 1976, oh, okay. before any of you guys were alive, I guess. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, I really wish. I really wish. Um, I, and I, I'm going to just, I'm going to start with, I guess we'll go around and that, but let me just ask, how did it happen? I mean, what, what happened before to get you up on stage? Well, I, uh, I had never made any type of sign other than just the banner that said fans on the run for all the other shows since really since the nineties. I'd been making the sound, sign banner for the uh, from the audience, to sh uh, just to say hello to Paul, fans on the run. And uh, I realized I was coming up on sort of a milestone of the 135th show there. So I thought it might be, uh, might, actually, I thought it might give him a little kick to see someone out there in the audience that uh, has been to 130 that many shows, you know. And uh, so I did make a special sign for that show that said 135th shows, and then a friend of mine named Dave Takus had made these really, really groovy little fans on the run buttons that are a play on the album cover for Wings at the Speed of Sound that says fans on the run in this uh, similar artwork from that album cover, and I had uh, given those out to my fellow fans on the run, lots of folks that uh, we've traveled or seen each other at least on the show's over all these years, and uh, uh, David had made a uh, a batch of those buttons, and I gave um, gave one to a lot of my personal friends. And then throughout the course of the week, I'd run into well all the members of the band, uh, Wicks, uh, Rusty, um, Abe, and Brian. I'd all been able always already been able to get a button, the fans on the run button to those guys, running into them at the hotel or restaurants around towns and things like that. So I thought it'd be really, really great if I could actually hand the, the bass player one for um, to complete the set. So I made the sign that said, uh, it's my 135th show. Could I please give you a fans on the run button? And um, he's, Paul saw that 
And uh, during the encore break, that's when the uh, security guy for Paul usually comes out and finds the um, the folks that are going to be pulled up on stage. And he was looking around in an area that I was not sitting in and thought, well, he'd, he was, he'd chosen someone else. And then all of a sudden, uh, Brian Riddle, the security guy, came from sort of behind the uh, the seats and told me that I was uh, I had been chosen to go up. So we just scurried down the aisle and uh, waited over beside the stage before Paul started uh, coming up. So the answer is uh, I didn't know myself until just a few uh, moments after Paul had left the stage for the encore break. Wow. Wow. Al? Now they all, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they all know you. Because, I mean, well, after all, have all, all the shows you've been to, and you're yeah. you're always right down front. So I'm assuming, after all these years, that they know you. The, the, his security folks have seen me a whole, exactly. a whole lot, for sure. So, and uh, actually, through Facebook, I've been at least uh, chatting back and forth with several of the band members as well. Sure. And uh, a lot of his crew do uh, recognize me by sight. Now, when you say, do I do we know each other, or do they know me, only only by sight and a wave at the uh, at the shows and things like that. I, I don't bother them or try to distract them from the jobs that they've got to do during the shows. But uh, over the years, uh, we've gotten uh, more and more. It's, it's kind of like seeing old friends that you you know know casually at least, and uh, a few of them actually do know me. It's, it sounds strange to say this, but know me by name at least because yeah. we've chatted so many times over the years. Yeah, well, Paul and, certainly uh, does. Paul mentioned, in fact, that uh, when when I was uh, walking out, he says, we know this guy, we've seen him everywhere, or because he's been to 135 shows or something like that. Sure, you got to tell the, uh, the story about uh, the Hitsville uh, meeting. Oh, sure, yeah, well, that, that uh, happened about, uh, gosh, I guess it's been three or four years now, yeah. wow, when we were up at the... Um, up in Detroit to see Paul play the concert up there. And uh, all this, the details of this story were all in a a special issue of Beatle fan magazine when that happened. And, um, but I I just went to the museum to go to the museum. And as I'm leaving four big SUV limos pulled up and uh, Paul bounces out of one of them. And then he, mm, this sounds so strange to say it this way without saying, Hey, Hey, look at me. But um, Paul got out of the limo and, looked like he immediately recognized me and sure. actually introduced me to his wife, Nancy, to uh, yeah. as the guy that's been to so many shows and asked me how many I'd been to at that time. But she, <laughs> the funniest reaction to that was when she says, oh, I know, I know. So um, <laughs> yeah. they, they, do, they, they do recognize the fans that are there regularly. I, I, I know that for sure. Sure. You know, he has a really good memory for faces. I've seen it in mm-hmm. action myself. Um, I interviewed him in 1990 the first time, and that was really the only time we had met. And a year or, or more later, he did a press conference at uh, Carnegie Hall because he was going to do uh, Liverpool Oratorio there. And mm-hmm. after he got off stage, he... Um, asked the Carnegie security people if that was me and if they could bring me back because he wanted to talk to me about my review of the Liverpool Oratorio. I went Uh-oh. to Liverpool to cover it. <laughs> no, well, um, 
it was generally a positive review yeah. anytime you were giving it a chance because everyone else was so snide about it. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I was, I was, you know, struck. I mean, you know, I spent maybe an hour or a little more than an hour with the guy over a year before, and he sees millions of people, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and why would he remember me? I mean, so uh, I, I was kind of struck by that because of the, the number of people that he sees, you know, and so it, it doesn't surprise oh. me that he recognized you. I mean, you're at so many of the shows and you've got the banner and, uh, you know, and, and, and I think he, you know, I think he, he's someone who I think really engages with his fans who are, oh, yeah, you know, who are, are seriously sort of devoted to his work. I think he appreciates that as big as he is, you know, it's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. something about him. Well, so, I think yeah. he appreciates it too, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I I've done it to let him know that at least there are still a, f- a few of us uh, diehards, uh, certainly enthusiastic fans, that uh, want to be there to uh, to support him and let him know that um, you know we we love him <laughs> and we appreciate the the things that he's uh, he's he's done for for us both sort of mu- well, certainly musically and kind of personally. It's affected. Uh, Affected so many lives in so many ways, and sure. I'm certainly one of them that got the effect and never got over it so many years ago. Rick, uh, I got two questions. First of all, there's a photo that you posted on Facebook, and it's a close-up of you and Paul. Is that from the Hitsville experience? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah that, the, Okay. Uh, where we're shoulder to shoulder outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. that, that happened at the just as we were leaving. Well, uh the details on that when I uh, when I saw Paul really approaching me, I just had all I had to do was stand still when he when he was coming there. His security man got between me and Paul, and there there were a couple other uh, photographers there from Motown too, and uh, one of them had a, a large card that looked like it looked like he was going to ask for an autograph basically, and his security guy said no no autographs no autographs here on the uh, we're just here off we're off the clock or something like that, <laughs> so. Uh, I didn't ask him for an autograph at that at that time because I've already had already got his autograph. But um, when I said, "Oh, I asked him if I could do it, maybe do a photo with him," he said, "Sure, man, let's do it." And put his arm around my my shoulder, and I was trying to do this self portrait, uh, you know, the selfie thing with the long arm, mm-hmm. and uh, my hand was sh- <laughs> my hand was shaking so bad. Paul noticed that my hand was shaking, and all we were going to get was a blur. So he suggested. Well, actually, he told me. He says, "Give it to him." Pointing to the security man, he's good at it. So he uh, he's the one that ended up taking taking the photo of us outside the uh, the Motown Museum there. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, too, uh, I've learned his name is Mike. And ever since then, Mike has been so pleasant and so friendly, and always comes comes over and you know shakes hands with if we're at the the limo watch or in the middle of the crowd at the uh, in in the actual arena or wherever it'd be. I think they recognize too that there are some regular fans that are, uh, are that, that it's okay to be friendly with instead of having to worry about whether they're going to try to cross the line or uh, be a, be a problem for them. I, I don't want to make their job any harder than they uh, mm. they've already yeah, already right? looking at a tough hole. Hmm? Yeah, there's some other photos that you posted of you with the other band members, and it looked like it was in a hotel or something. Where was that taken? Um, well, a couple of times they were there were a couple that were in a hotel there was one let's see i'm thinking through the wicks photo was in the charlottesville virginia hotel and the abe photo was in the charlottesville hotel that was um 
between the first and second shows of that week. And then the Rusty and Brian photos were at the hotel in Columbia, South Carolina. Hmm. A, couple, okay. a couple of my traveling companions for this trip were staying at the hotel that the band was staying in. And both of those actually happened by accident just because of the convenience to the, uh, the, the arena where, where they were playing. Right. So I would always drop the, drop the girls that we were traveling with off, off at their uh, nice hotel while I went to the red roof. <laughs> but, um, at, at least that gave me a, uh, legitimate or at least quasi pseudo sort of legitimate reason to be in the in the hotel there and but every time approaching those guys they're always so friendly and they they seem to enjoy their uh, their fans as well mm-hmm. great so that was that was all those were actually in hotels we we ran into them a couple of times over just uh, kind of casually in a, a restaurant at one one point and um, just uh, walking down the street there in charlottesville virginia Nice little town that is, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really, uh, you know, just just a wave in most cases, just so we wouldn't uh, again be taking up their time and imposing on their personal space and time. Okay, let's get to the to the part where so they can't so the security guy came to get you, right? right? Yes, and he brought you up on the stage, and and how long of a delay when they brought you when they took you from the audience to the stage? How long of a delay was there before you actually? started you know was or with paul probably about the length of one song got back okay. there and i know hi 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 was playing which was fairly appropriate and mm-hmm. um at the i'm trying to through the end of this uh, length uh, order of the songs but I, I i distinctly remember being back back at the corner of the stage there for the entire song for hi 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 okay just a matter of minutes. It was it was not a long time to sit there and try to. I was actually st- trying to stand there and drink as much of the atmosphere in as possible. There's a little platform that's just a couple of feet off the floor, not a, up at full stage height, where John Hamill, Paul's mm-hmm. assistant, does all his tuning and uh, prepping all his guitars and things like that. And they they moved us up. There was a a little girl that was the babysitter. There were two people on stage. The, the night I was up there, the second one was a girl that had saved all of her babysitting money for the last three years. Was her, what her oh, son yeah. said. <laughs> and her and her mother were back there, and they, they were just shaking beyond control. They were, they were really <laughs> vibing hard on the, what was going on for them. But they, anyway, they moved us up to the little platform there to be ready to step on stage. And I look over at John Hamill, and he's got the Yesterday guitar strapped around his neck, and he's tuning that up for the for the next song. And um, I, I look down at the rack in front of me, and there's the Epiphone, there's the uh, Les Paul, there's the Les Paul Sunburst, there's a couple of extra Hoffners, the 12-string. I'm thinking, I could stand here and look at these for, for a little while. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> and the, the security right. guy is... Um, He's saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. It's going to happen really quick. You're going to have just a minute. Paul will ask you a couple of questions. Get, make sure you give him the button, show him your sign. And then when I when I motion for you to uh, to leave the stage, get off the stage, then don't, he says, don't, don't, uh, don't try to linger or something like that. Basically, you re- realize when your moment is over and move on. So that was about okay. the only prep that I got, knowing that he would ask, ask me a couple of questions. He said he'll ask you your name and maybe, maybe a couple of questions. So then, uh, how long did it take in that that little interim there while you were waiting? 
it was just literally a matter of seconds. The yeah. the the by the by the second half of the song, by the time the time the high 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 kicked into the fast portion of the song, little coda there, um, that was when we were getting put literally on the steps to walk up to the to the actual stage platform. So what's going through your mind as you walk out on stage? Well, well, my head was pretty well spinning. I'm telling you, <laughs> one, one, one of the things that I did think of because oh, he, uh, uh, Brian had said, think of what you want to say and um, basically have have it together there. And uh, Charlie Lightning, the guy that's the uh, his video, his roaming video photographer. If you've been to the shows, you you've seen uh, one or two people with handheld cameras for the McCartney camp that are, that are constantly cruising the audience mm-hmm. looking for full signs, reactions, people dancing, things like that. Well, he was up there on, Charlie was up there on the platform with me. And I, all these men, uh, thoughts were rushing through my head. Like, first of all, this is really happening. I can't believe it, it was so surreal. It was like, <laughs> like the old out of body experience thing there that, uh, I'm, I'm almost watching myself cause have see this happen to me. Sure. But, um, I was thinking, um, actually one thought that crossed my mind was I, um, uh, my mom was a huge Beatle fan, very, very supportive for my Beatle fandom or she was, mm-hmm. she always was really good with all the records and she was a big fan of, uh, little Richard and Fats Domino were her, her favorites. And my dad loved, um, Roy Orbison and uh, Johnny Cash. So mm-hmm. you put those, that set of influences together and uh, what you got, you know, the, the fabs. Absolutely. So, uh, one thought that did cross my mind just as I was standing there is, you know, I wish mom was here to see, see this. She would, she would yeah. get a kick out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what made me think of if I get a chance to mention my hometown, yeah. that that be a good time to, I, have you guys seen the video and know, you know what I mm-hmm. said when I was, up, Oh yeah. That, um, I, um, I'd like to, you know, just basically give a salute to my mom. And because when I was in my hometown of Bristol, Tennessee, that's, that's where I, I caught Beatlemania. That's what I, I saw, saw the Ed Sullivan show there at my grandmother's house. And that was the, that was my roots and also the roots of my Beatle fandom. Yeah. Uh, so give, okay. to give, you know, to give her, her a salute. And, uh, I was thinking too, it'd be also nice to say I'm from Bristol, Tennessee. My mom was a big fan and that's Carl Perkins country. And to give a little, uh, salute to Carl too. But that, that that pretty much condensed to just the fact yeah. <laughs> that it turned into one sentence. I'm from Bristol, Tennessee, and my throat uh, stopped. Thinking. Up Actually, right there. I did say I'm a hillbilly because <laughs> I just I, on the way up I'd listened to um, one of those uh, like I think it was Roots of Rock mm-hmm. radio specials that Paul had done back uh, you know several years mm-hmm. ago. I think around the time of the uh, Run Devil Run album. All the hillbilly music, so I um, I just heard myself say that. That's one thing I, I hadn't really planned to say when I was uh, on the, in that moment that I had to plan anything anyway. But I had been um, my my day job background was I was a um, a trainer, corporate trainer for most of my day job career. Right. So I was used to being in front of a group of people and. Uh, kind of went into an act at least, or yeah, I was trying to control the emotional side of being up there mm-hmm. by just going into my on stage act. I play in a band, so, and I'm usually doing the, the between tune talking it for the band, so I was trying to keep it separate from what was really happening there standing beside Paul McCartney. But when I was standing there in the uh, 
trying to think of what what I was going to say. I know Charlie again. Back to the guy with the video camera. He could see the um, the emotional side of it kind of taking mm-hmm. over, and I was sh- I, w- I was shaking. What the hell? I, my legs. Are, <laughs> of course. There's no way to no way to say that that wasn't a getting getting to me emotionally there. And I kind of stamped my foot on the on the platform a little bit and said to no one in particular, uh, "I've got to get my shit together here." Yeah. And Charlie leaned in and says, "Yes, you do." <laughs> <laughs> just his delivery too I, i'm sure his wheels were turning thinking uh this guy's about to fall apart right here yeah. we're going he's gonna have to bite his lip or uh, you know pinch himself or something but then when i when i said that just just his casual delivery of uh yes you do that, that gave me a little uh, actually that kind of kicked me into uh, uh should i say performance mode mm-hmm. or that, yeah. that, that helped me realize I can't be naturally emotional here. I've got a, something to say. I also wanted to, if I got a chance, basically just to say, you know, here you, here, this is going to sound pretty hokey talking to a bunch of guys here, but uh, I just want to say I love you, man, and, you know, what, what you meant to me. And then I, that's when I really kicked back on my, um, my corporate training background mm-hmm. is you don't, don't necessarily tell the audience what you're feeling. You ask the audience what they're feeling. So that's when I decided to say, if I got a chance to ask the crowd, do we love this man? And that's Mm -hmm. the the thing that got the, the reaction from the crowd that I'll swear guys, you could physically feel the coming from the the crowd on that, like, like kind of walking behind a, uh, a jet on a runway. We, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't see the, you don't see the thing, but you certainly feel your hair getting blown back. Yeah. Yeah, That was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, What's the, what's the farthest that you've traveled to see him? Well, I guess, um, Ireland and Scotland or Mexico Mm -hmm. city. Mm -hmm. What that, if you're talking about distance from Atlanta, um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a geography major, but I think, (laughs) Ireland would be the furthest distance. Mm-hmm. And if you got gone as far as the West Coast in the U.S. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've, I think we. I've got a little pen map here, and I think it is thirty-two different states that I've seen the boy in. Pretty good. So yeah. mm. over, over the years, now when if you remember the eighty-nine to ninety-three tours, they were a uh, they weren't nearly as geographically challenging <laughs> as these yes. last ones. That would go true. on the road for. Right four or five weeks and you could do uh three or four in a week and still in some cases sleep in your own bed and and and, uh with some of the road work or or do do one show and then have a day off and a couple hundred miles do another show we uh i remember a great tour that we did with uh uh, bill king the publisher of beetle fan and john so's regular contributor there we went from atlanta to orlando to new orleans to Memphis, up to St. Louis, and back uh, to Atlanta in, I think, about a nine-day period. I remember and saw that, yeah. Five, however, many, uh, however many shows that was in, in, a, in a little over a week. It was a, it was a great trip. But now it seems like he doesn't uh, – we don't get the full length of – or full list of tour shows, and right. they're um, considerably more spread out, so the um, – it's been a little more difficult to follow, literally follow the tour as much as we'd like to. Mm. Are you going to Pardon? Europe, Rick? Uh, for Oslo and these next round of shows? Mm. Yeah. You mean? No, I just got back. I did four shows over in, yeah, um, in England. Yeah. Birmingham, 
and Liverpool, which is always a thrill to see uh, see him in in Liverpool. So no, I don't I don't plan to go go back and unless was that an offer? Are are you? Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I wish I wish I could if if there was an offer I'd be going with you, but no. I'd have to consider it with my wife, but I'll um, I'll I'll be glad to go with if uh, if you like. <laughs> okay. Um, I was just going to say I wanted to say because we've all watched the video uh, online and we could all feel what you were going through, yeah. so. You know, we all just want to say many congratulations and smiles to you because we all were so happy for you, Rick. And mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to, to add to it that how great it is to not only get a chance to do this, but it's so it's so much better when you don't have that much time to think before you go on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you had to wait up there for an hour, mm-hmm. yeah. you would have been you would have been so fried in your brain by the time you went up there. <laughs> True, thinking about true. what to say, the less time you have to worry about it, the better off it is. So mm-hmm. they obviously know that, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. It's only recently he's been inviting people on stage here and there. But lately, it's much more common towards the end of the show and the encores. He seems mm-hmm. to really like to to invite the fans up and, and share something personal with the audience or to tell some kind of story or to have people propose on stage, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> It's um, it's pretty remarkable. It makes it even more memorable and more personal an experience. Or get their oh, yeah. shoulders so, autographed. Yeah, and something unique too. I think it's almost become. Uh, it seems like anything with him. Once something becomes expected, he moves away from it. So he's he's always looking for that uh, unusual balance because there's been so many so many shoulders signed now and so many of the. The things that anyway, I'd, I'd like to think that he chose me because I wasn't. First of all, I wasn't asking for something. I wanted to give give him something, and uh, wasn't the same old you know sign, sign my head. Even though there's plenty of room to sign up there, but uh, <laughs> we, you know the feeling. That's so funny, <laughs> but you, you you know what I mean. The um, if if it's getting to be if it's getting to be part of the routine, part of the show, uh, there may not be min, that many more of those, but. I, he certainly does seem to love the uh, the audience participation in every way, whether it's just waving or waving the banners and signs, or whether it's actually getting them on stage. He does seem to, you know, he he likes the fans. He he still seems to be a fan himself. That brings up an interesting point. I mean, you know, with all these with all this going on, and you know, he's I mean, who he is. I mean, he he doesn't have to work for the uh, for the attention. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, he, the show is set up now to allow for this, this adoration, and he, and he obviously loves it, and it's, it's, and the fans appreciate it too. I mean, you've seen enough instances, Rick, of, of oh, yeah. you know, fans going, fans going up there, and, and I mean, the, the whole part of waiting for it to come up on stage actually was interesting to hear. I mean, can you imagine, uh, I mean, I can imagine some people actually standing up there and actually, you know, really getting nervous, really getting, I mean, you've probably seen a couple of instances oh, like that. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we've seen a couple of folks just get up there and totally freeze up because they don't, it, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You, if you if you glance out to your, uh, out toward the crowd to see 10, 15, 20,000 people literally staring at you, that's just intimidating at, at, in itself. But when, and then you look over to your right, and there's uh, the bass player for the Beatles with his hand on your shoulder, grinning, <laughs> grinning at you, waiting, waiting for your ears to pop. You know, it, it's uh, it's it's intimidating, even 
whatever level of comfort you may or may not have on stage, that's that's the top of the mountain there, man. Mm-hmm. And was there anything? Go that, ahead, go that, ahead, Al. That oh. rush that you were talking about, feeling from the crowd, that that rush of energy that you felt from the crowd, that's mm-hmm. prob- that probably sums up why Paul still does this. Gotta be, gotta yeah. be. I've I have played. I'm a, I'm a bass player in a blues right. band, and we've we've played and got a little. Sometimes there's one couple dancing. You know, there, there's 12, 15 people in the bar, maybe sometimes, and there's one couple up up dancing, and that just makes the night. You feel that feedback. Or we've played some big festivals and things where there are several thousand people out there, and you see heads bopping as uh, as far as you can see, and that's that's a unique buzz that. Uh, I can see how that would be very, very addictive if you did it every night to thousands and thousands of people that are literally holding up signs that says "We love you." That's powerful, and I, yes, I'm sure that's one of the one of the things that's keeping him keeping him on stage and keeping uh, keeping us happy with those shows. Very much so. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a Let's... bit about the concerts themselves? Um, you know, years ago, we, we were talking a little bit about this before you came on, about um, how how his set list changes. Years ago, he really pretty much would do the, the same set list for the entire tour. These mm-hmm. days, he seems to be changing things out a bit more mm-hmm. frequently. You know, I mean, almost every couple of weeks, we hear that he's added temporary secretary or another girl or, you know, I mean, really the last two or three years, he's been doing that a bit mm-hmm. more. As someone who's who's seen as many shows as you have, um, does does it seem like his set list and his approach to it is getting a bit looser where, you know, more things are being pulled in and, 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 and you can feel surprised, you know, on a night where, where you think you might know what he's going to play, but he changes up. Sure. Absolutely. Just as recently as this past week there to, to see uh, one after nine Oh nine making, yeah. make an appearance after so long. He, he, uh, he teased with that one a few times ago back at the, like the 100 club and the shows around that had, had that in there, but that that's been several years since that one popped up and out of nowhere. And uh, for me, uh, bringing Can't Buy Me Love back into the set. Man, that's the, any any of those true Beatlemania songs. Uh, that one, I, I saw her standing there, and uh, mm. the fact that he's kind of built the show, at least now, with some fairly, I guess, uh, generic's not the right word, but interchangeable places in the show where he can swap out a, an acoustic number here and there, and mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. even some of the rockers, that keeps it both fresh for us the ones that have been seeing several shows but press for him too i'm mm-hmm. i'm thinking the the band and him himself want want to sh- shake it up just a little bit every now and then to uh, to keep it fresh exciting and also having to think about playing you, you get on uh, get on automatic pilot when you go through the show it shows i've seen many bands of especially in his uh you know, contemporary w- with him, uh, go to the show and you can tell they are phoning it in. And if yeah, it wasn't for the teleprompters, yeah. they, would, they wouldn't be so. able to, uh, to stay with it. And, uh, uh, seems like even though he, he may occasionally refer to his teleprompter, it's not because he's phoning the, the performance in. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's the thing that benefits the, the crowd and the band. Mm-hmm. And actually, Brian Ray, <laughs> Brian Ray said something about that. You know, so so much fun to play some of those songs that they they don't get to play every every night, and um, I would imagine that keeps both both fresh and sharp. You want to have the band thinking instead of just going through the motions. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a fan and you get to go to more than one show at a time, like next to each other, two in a row, mm-hmm. if you're fortunate where you can do that, you might see a different set list, whereas it wasn't that way before. There are a lot of songs that he switches on and off. He'll do mm-hmm. I've Just Seen a Face one night, and then he'll change it into uh, I'm Looking Through You the next night. So mm-hmm. that's a big bonus for the fans who go to see more than one show. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. Do you get to many of the sound checks? I've done I've done a few of the sound checks. That, that's because those, those are always different. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every song that he plays in the sound checks, that at least the ones that I've been to, uh, he he will play for an hour, hour ten, sometimes hour and fifteen minutes. Every song, it's very very unusual to hear him play a song in the sound check that he that is in in the actual set, unless they're working up something to go into the set. Mm-hmm. And that those that that's the sound check, of course, is when you get the the old rockabilly hillbilly numbers like "Honey Don't Matchbox" yeah. and "Midnight right. Special," and uh, some also he always pretty much always plays uh, the celebration portion yeah. of uh, "Standing Stone." Right. And if there was one song that should be in the set list, it's that celebration bit. Yeah, because he's got a couple of lyrics lyrics to the song. The audience would probably go, "What is that? It was beautiful. I want to mm. know what that is." And it's a very, um, very emotional, emotionally pulling song uh, as well. Yeah, I guess there's. I, I, yeah, they have a lot, of, a lot of just a lot of fun at the sound check. He and he will. It's interesting. Sometimes you can hear him. Well, let, let's play only Mama Knows tonight, or let's play, mm. uh, you know, a whole lot of shaking going on. And you, so, you know, the band goes. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard them say, uh, "What key?" So uh, they, <laughs> it, it surprises them too. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes you wish the songs in the sound check he would put into the show. Yeah. You know, I've noticed, especially in, in a lot of Steve's postings, some of the songs in the set list where you, you go, wow, yeah, he's doing Bluebird. <laughs> you know, what? put that in the show. And it's like, you, know, <coughs> you wonder sometimes if he's doing it because he's planning for that eventually to go in the set list. I remember a few years ago, um, he, had so, he had started adding the night before and I've one other song to the, uh, to the sound check. And I thought, you know what? I'll bet when he hits Yankee stadium, this is like, I think in 2010 or 2011 that yeah, right. uh, it was, it was the first show on the tour and on that mm-hmm. particular tour. And, uh, I said, I'll bet the hill have added that into, uh, into the set list. And sure enough, that was there. Good call. It's a real treat. I just wanted to say, um, that was the first show of that tour. Yes. So any of the new the changes we heard for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the night before, eight, uh, 1985, yes. he performed for yeah. the first time at that show. So that, w- that was a real treat. Yeah. So nowadays you can look up easily online what the set list is and not be surprised at all. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it's the first show of the tour, that's really something special. Right. Yes. Right. I was just going to say, I think the 2002 tour, that one had a bunch of surprises in that one yeah. uh, if i'm correct on my was that the one where he first did came in through the bathroom window and uh I too see. many people and uh, that that set list was you know full full of surprises that night mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that might been 2002, the that's that when he started doing getting better yeah i think it was the 2002 uh, 05 was when he started doing she came in through the bathroom window and too many people mm-hmm. yes yeah, but that that all comes from the fact that he, you know, he is, I think, consciously trying to mix it up and get get as many of the songs in there as uh, as he could do. I'm surprised. I'm still surprised there are several that uh, 
several big popular songs that he hasn't uh, rehauled out into the set list this in this last 10 or 12 years that we've, he's been out so regularly. Mm-hmm. But it, it was fun to hear the world premiere of, let's say, well, Temporary Secretary recently or... Yeah. Uh, I was there the night that he pulled uh, "I Want to Go Home." That that was a that was a beautiful song that just popped up into the set list for for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Sure. How's the how's the uh, we talked a little bit uh, um, earlier uh, about the we were talking about the Philadelphia show, but uh, how's the how's the sound mix has been the last few shows, guys? Um, I heard uh, the one before Philadelphia. I heard uh, I. I not, I can't remember if it was Columbia or not. Was not good. I heard, um, but Philly I heard was good. Um, is that uh, uh, Rick? Do you you know what I'm talking about? The sound uh, at the shows. Sure. The um, I think it was the Charlottesville show that had a little bit of that. That was the smallest arena that probably I've ever seen him in. That the uh, the the back wall for that it was a little basketball arena, and mm. uh, the. The the back wall wow. for that was uh, very seemed seemed very very close. When I turned turned around and looked, it looked like it was like half half house for for some of the even the indoor arenas that I'd been into. But I hmm. think there was like 20, 20 rows in the first section on the floor, and I think only about sixteen or eighteen rows in the second section. And then the wall, uh, then the stands started going up, and they were very very, very high. And I think the flatness of that back wall and being so close. I think that did set up just a little bit of, I um, don't know exactly how to describe it. What was it reverb or certainly it wasn't feedback, but it just just made it a little more more tight in the room, which didn't let the, well, I think maybe didn't let the sound spread out as well as it does in some of the some of the bigger arenas. But Philadelphia, I do remember the sound being really really nice and distinctive there. Uh, the the Philly show, I was very impressed with the venue you know, with Wells Fargo uh, Center, because I, I think it's a newer, one of the newer arenas. And Ken was saying a little bit earlier that uh, that he was very impressed with uh, with the sound. Uh, how did you mm-hmm. like it, Rick? Oh, I liked it. Uh, very, very good arena. Very easy to get in and uh, into. Some, sometimes there's just this fiasco of either security or lack of organization and things like that. You know, Ken, we were standing over there by that, uh, where the, where the band was playing. And once they opened the doors there, that, that all went in with a big whoosh. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm. was that one too? I think that one was one where it seemed like there was just a little more knee room or elbow room at the seats too. It wasn't, uh, yeah. wasn't packed in the Colum- because of the other two venues being considerably smaller than Philly too. They they were really packed in claustrophobic, like in the uh, especially Columbia, South Carolina. There was very standing up was the only way you could get, get a room to breathe. Hardly, of course, standing yeah. on the, the whole show. I thought Philly was a bit tight there in the seats, but um, the sound quality I thought was amazing. And to me, when I go to a show, especially someone who I'm listening for, well, everything the way the band sounds and especially his voice i'm mm-hmm. listening especially for that reason and too many times when i've seen paul in concert the sound's been too echoey where i can't hear paul really stand out vocally but in philadelphia mm-hmm. it was superb i can hear everything he sang and um you know the real test is when you've got a song where there's a lot of harmonies added to paul's voice and if you can hear paul stand out that's really good and that's mm-hmm. exactly how i felt in philadelphia so I think the sound quality there was just superb. Yep, they do a good job, and I think that's one of the reasons that they do such a long, extensive sound check 
is because for, well certainly he's got to walk through all the instruments that they're going to be playing. Sure. But uh, the his his sound crew really have you know they apply the science to the to, to their craft because they they always they always have a really really nice nice clean crisp sound. Hmm. Um, Rick, there was a there was uh, some traffic problems um, according to the reports I got from Charlottesville, and I know you were at Candlestick, and that was also a problem. <laughs> although you got you guys got in you got in early, you got there before we did. Um, yeah, that's one. So you did, I, at Candlestick, I did sound check, so I was I was glad to not have that that problem because that's that's. That still kind of has a black eye on it, I think, just because of because of the you heard more about the traffic than you, problems than you did about the phenomenal show that it was. Right, right, uh, yeah. Well, I was lucky that we got there early too. Uh, otherwise, we would have had problems. I know somebody that ended up sitting with us had trouble getting in. She finally got in, but uh, it was it was a mess. But I mean, have there been many other shows like Charlottesville, like Candlestick, or has generally things been pretty good? Truthfully, I get there in the middle of the afternoon to do the limo watch or the the sound check show anyway, and I just can't. My, my, at this stage of my career, my system can't really ha- handle the stress of uh, the unknown of whether you're going to get there in time or, or not. So I would rather mm-hmm. just be there nice and early. Four o'clock is my pretty much standard arrival time in the afternoon, either to just watch that eight seconds of uh, limo arrival or to go inside early to do the sound checks. Mm-hmm. But I. I can't recall hearing any any reports as as bad as certainly not as as bad as Candlestick with the, the literally the cluster fiasco that they had there, and uh, I, I did hear some reports of uh, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, thank you, that uh, that did have some delays and things like that. But I'll tell you, the the arena was well full by the time uh, mm. Chris the the DJ was on. If it was uh, a problem for some, it was not a problem for them clear majority of the people that were there well let me let me ask this then um in a general you know as a general tip for people attending mccartney shows i mean obviously getting there as early as you can but can you give can you give people some tips about what you know what's the best thing to do as far as you know how to get there safe and sound and and you know have have the best time i mean you know, I, I obviously, like I said, getting there early is the best thing to do. But you know, since some in some cases that's not going to happen. But what would you? What would you? You know, from all the shows you attended, what what's the best? How's the best way to go? Well, I think you you pretty well nailed it there. You've got to get there early. Uh, take uh, you know, make make it a um, McCartney holiday. If if it's the the day job that's preventing preventing you from being there early. Uh, you know, go uh, go kick the boss in the balls for something for a, for a few minutes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to go home. My, my cat is sick, man. And uh, at least uh, at least be, find a way because that I, I have I've traveled with some folks before that are uh, pretty much chronically delayed and going to be late for just anything. And suddenly they're on their own. <laughs> if you're going to you got to choose between the frustration of uh, the and the risk of literally missing the first or some or all of the show in case like San, San Francisco, but there's there's no magic to it. And uh, it's just like airport security. If your flight is at two o'clock, you better be in place by by noon or uh, that's that's when they're going to want to do a complete body cavity search as you go through and uh, you miss your <laughs> flight and you you only get you know. You know 
<laughs> you only get one shot at uh, some things like that. You can't say, Paul, hold the show for me. I'm four blocks away, and that might be six to, six hours away. So, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have much advice there except um, uh, be there early and often. <laughs> yeah, get, yes. apply some common sense, which is going to be a challenge. For <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of traveling companions. Is yep. there is there a kind of like a core group of fans on the run that go to more shows than any than than don't? Yes. Yeah. How many? Probably, uh, geez, I, I'm sure I could name forty or fifty by name that I see wow, routine really? enough to be in the uh, in the regular traveling category. Now it does it changes from location to location if you're mm-hmm. in the in the south there's some good old southern boys that you're going to see from from venue to venue there's the the northeastern contingent up there with uh derek and uh, bob and some a bunch of bunch of the ladies up there mary and so so many so many that i've known another thing too that I, we've known a lot of these folks for years and years and years uh even outside the Paul concerts. Sure. We've uh, we we maintain contact and friendships, and uh, certainly through Facebook. Facebook's a one, uh, an amazing uh, thing for for contact I, because I am so personally horrible about returning emails and messages, and as as several of you know, I just got to get this phone together here in the last what six eight minutes. It Indeed. seems like. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you laughing. <laughs> So um, and also the the electronically challenged uh, factor of it for for an old man like me, uh-huh. but, but yeah, that, the answer was uh, yeah. There there's a group of uh, the regulars, and um, we we see the same faces and make make new friends at every uh, every venue. That that's another bonus of it too, making so many uh, so many new friends at these uh, limo watches and sound checks and the shows themselves. In fact, how did like, the maybe you can give us a little background on how. The whole fans on the run thing began. Well, for me, in eighty, I'm sorry, seventy six, I got to see Wings one time, Mm -hmm. and the uh, the full story on that one was I was I was living up in Tennessee near Nashville, going to school. It was my senior year, and the first Atlanta show was on a Tuesday, second one on a Wednesday. Uh, I had a lab, my final senior lab for my major was the Wednesday morning after the Tuesday night show in Atlanta. So I drove to Atlanta in the afternoon, went to the show, drove back to Tennessee, which was at that time about a six-hour drive each way. So I drove back <laughs> after the show, better living through chemi- chemistry maybe, and <laughs> was planning to go to my 9 o'clock lab and then finish the lab, get back in the car, drive back to Atlanta for the second show. No oh boy. And that, well, I was a child. I was I was a kid. I was twenty <laughs> twenty something. Okay, and um, so came down, did the first show, got back in the car, drove drove back, walk up to my lab, and the lab, there was a sign on the the door that said your lab has been moved to four p.m. in the oh, afternoon. God. So oh my god, so I did something very very irresponsible. I went to the lab instead of going back to the garden wow. fence and missed the second show. And then I remember saying to myself at that time, when I grow up, when I have a day, when I have a regular job, I'm going to go see Paul as many times as I can. I'm not going to let a, a stupid lab about the genus species <laughs> of squirrels, or whatever the hell it was, prevent me from having that, that greatest moment of concert event. Little did I know it would be 
16 years before I would be able to go to another show, however many math major again here, 76 to 89, all those years, that, that number of 13. years to, uh, to see, thank you, to see that, uh, that the second show that uh, finally started the fans on the run. Then that's when we saw the, the list of shows and said we're going on the road. And the phrase fans on the run just came to me one one night when we were sitting in the hotel. We were talking about the, remember how the now N-O-W yes. was the last of the... Right. Uh, the pr- the pre they would pre- take show. the stage. Oh, right. He walked out to the stage to the letters N-O-W. So we made a sign that said N-O-W on one side and... Fans on the run on the other side, yeah. and uh, that's that's since then I've tried to kind of mimic the, the artwork, the graphics. In '93, they had the the moon spinning around the planet for mm-hmm. fans on the. I mean, Paul McCartney. It was a sea moon for that. We changed that to the O for on the run graphics like that, and now with the stencil look for out there it's been in place for three or four years now so i wanted to ask a question to everybody here because um obviously al and rick and i went to see the show in philly but since we've all seen paul recently anyway and many times what is the experience for seeing paul like now is it any different than growing up from say the first time you saw paul from wings on up is it the same experience or is it a different experience in 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 any way that you want to mention here. I mean, we're talking about so many years, so many, so much history that we've had with this man. How is it different now than, than before, if it is different for you, hmm. when you see Paul in concert? Why don't we start with um, Alan? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, actually, for me, I've seen him in so many different kinds of situations that those are the big differences. I mean, the the, the big venue shows... For me, I, I don't think I've changed all that much. I didn't see him with wings, so I've only seen him since '89. And um, but on the other hand, I saw him sing with a band, but not play at the Lone Star Roadhouse during one of those Buddy Holly Week celebrations. I saw him at the Cavern for that show. Um, I saw him actually. One of my favorite performances that I've, I've been to was in the Ed Sullivan Theater for the um, what was supposed to be unplugged, but it wasn't. It was uh, I can't remember up close, what, up close right? I, I thought that was a great show, um, and it was yeah. a, a nice smallish venue, and um, I was in the front row of the balcony, so you know you're just sort of looking down, and, and there was not all of the big production stuff going on. It was just the band playing. And they were doing some things, you know, I think they, you know, Penny Lane and stuff like that, that, um, that I hadn't seen him do before. And, uh, so that, that one, I, I have probably the fondest memories of, I'd like to have had fondest memories of the cavern, but that place was so packed. And, uh, and, and also uh, I was a little disappointed by the fact that it wasn't the cavern as you, you know, visually as you see it, it was the the big room next door, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, and the last time I saw him was Yankee Stadium. Um, and that was a trip, too, because it was Yankee Stadium, yes. which uh, some of you guys don't uh, have that emotional resonance. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but, you no, know, I the, don't. Yeah. Don't yeah. Red Sox. Oh, is that basic? Is, is that uh, football or basketball? 
<laughs> and the Red Sox are a little league and the Yankees are an actual baseball team. And I, I say that, you know, with, with some trepidation now that I live in Maine and the places right. rimming with Red Sox fans. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was a lot of fun seeing, I mean, Yankee Stadium and even I think it was the new Yankee Stadium. So yes. it only partly counts. But right. but yeah, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I don't uh, in the spirit of the question, I guess, is how it's changed over the years. But for me, the, the changes are really, you know, what kind of thing I'm seeing because I've, I've been really lucky to see so many different, different kinds of things that, um, that it's always a little bit different. Hmm. I can't uh, say I've, I've seen winks cause I haven't, but I would say it has changed. Um, you'd have to, I mean, the fact that the, the, the wing shows, um, you know, were a smaller scale. They were a little more intimate. That's not the case anymore. And I think, I think the, you know, the shows suffer a little for that, but not that much, really, because of you know how how good they are. I mean, they're they're great. He does a great job. You have to you know you have to give him that much. Mm-hmm. But I do think the intimacy of the of the Wings shows, um, like uh, you know, from like Wings Over America, is missing. Um, but whatever. I mean, you know, it's a it, it's still a good it's still a good show. And we've talked we've compared the bands here before, and you know that it's really I mean it's not that it's not a matter of that because the bands are are both great, you know. So, but how about you, Al? Yeah, there. I I think I'm sure Rick and I would agree. There's all <laughs> there's only one first time, and seeing. Wings at the Nassau Coliseum, May 21st, 1976, will be with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. So, uh, and I'm sure it was the same with uh, with Rick when you when you saw them, uh, you know, even in that first show. And oh, yeah. um, it's so there's no comparison. But it's but uh, for instance, in Philadelphia, I was seeing the show with somebody who had never seen. Paul live. So I was able to kind of uh, experience what she was feeling, you know, and she really enjoyed the show. And, and it's, so it's, you know, having seen him now, I mean, nothing like the number of times that Rick or Bob Gannon have, uh, have seen it, but a, you know, a fair number of times it's, you know, it's still a, it's a very enjoyable show. No question about that. Uh, but it's, you know, again, it's not, it's not the first time. Hmm. When did we, did we all just, did we all say exactly when we saw him first? What was your first one? My first one was uh, Memorial stadium on the, um, flowers and the dirt tour. Uh-huh. I think that was, ni- I think that was 90. Cause I remember Linda yelling out, uh, at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first. And I've seen him. I've seen him several times since. The one, the the one that sticks out in my memory and will always stick out, Rick, is the joint. Um, oh yeah. And you know, I think that's. I don't think I. I have not seen a better show than that show. That was stupendous, loud and stupendous. <laughs> Which is where Rick and I first. And loud. That's where Rick and I first bumped into each other and um but yeah that thing was loud i really i really am disappointed that uh, i mean I, it's my fond wish that they released that show i mean that was the one of the greatest shows i've ever seen and he did uh live and let die in that little room and i mean little you were talking about um 
one of the uh, was it Charlottesville that was small? Uh, mm-hmm. The joint, the joint yes. was smaller. The joint. Oh was my smaller. goodness! Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. That was uh, that was like a that was like a, a gymnasium almost. It was so small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, that was uh, that was an amazing show. But uh, well, like yeah, I, yeah. But I first saw him at Memorial Stadium. So anyway, how about your take, Rick? Well, um, well, my first show was the May eighteenth, nineteen seventy six. Oh no, no, but I'm sorry. The the question was compare now to first shows and stuff. Um, it seems like because he has been pretty much consistently out on the road since what two thousand two. There has been there was a little break there around uh, well the middle of that period for an undisclosed reasons or yes. reasons not not to <laughs> bring up. But uh, well, well, what, what I was saying stuff. It seems like that over the last few years and these last few rounds, it's very, it's been almost like going to see, to visit an old friend or an old relative. You know, mm. you, you, you're going to be familiar with the guy up there on stage. You know what to expect, never disappointing from, from what to expect. But there is a, a pleasant familiarity now mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, let, let's go see Paul. And the, I don't want to say the excitement has been less. Because I always try to say that once as, as we're leaving the hotel or wherever. Well, let's go see Paul McCartney. And that usually gets a good adrenaline <laughs> adrenaline yeah. flow. And that kind of familiarity, there's maybe a little bit of loss of the of that in the intensity of it. But once at least at least once per show, when they usually when they'll kick into a Beatlemania show, I'll try to literally say aloud, that's not Paul McCartney up there. That's the bass player for the Beatles up there. Mm. And that always has a an emotional reaction. I can feel my throat tightening right now, just just thinking about the fact that the guy that gave us so many good songs, so much fun, so many smiles, back fifty, <laughs> literally fifty years ago now, is still up there doing the same thing and having causing the same reaction. I love Al. You mentioned sitting with someone first. Yeah. First show like that i love watching the newbies the kids that have not seen that and had that experience and that adrenaline rush through through their system that uh because it's like getting you know slapped with a fly swatter or something it's really really a powerful thing in that first time you know you, you never forget your first time and That's those it. uh those right. those kids uh which is another kind of bonus of him being still out on the road at 73 years old, he's given these kids who weren't even born during the 76 tour yeah. a chance to right. stand and hear that, to hear those beautiful, wonderful tunes that have been the backdrop soundtrack for our lives. We're all in the same similar age bracket in mm-hmm. on this show here. But when, when I see the kids coming up and being able to say, what was it like waiting on rubber soul? What was it like when Sergeant Pepper flipped out? What was it like when the Beatles broke up? Mm. And to those kids or young, younger folks as the gurus who lived through those days, uh, you can see it. You, you can see it in there. Right. You know, we, we saw it at the, we, at the old Beatle fan conventions when uh, the kids would walk up and subscribe to Beatle fan there. Al. Sure. You know, why would these kids be interested in these <laughs> these old farts that are uh, not even of their time? They're, they're looking at it as a history lesson yeah. where seeing it live. You have that experience that uh, touches your life. You know, I don't I don't know how to describe it. So we're we're very fortunate as a uh, a population of fans 
that mm-hmm. uh, we're in these wonderful evenings with uh, with the creator there you know yeah you well i i can i can relate to so much of what you just said there rick but for me the experience is very different now than it was before i did see wings in 76 i saw them at madison square garden first time i ever saw paul and to me that will always be the greatest concert of my life Mm -hmm. mainly in terms of the performance itself, whereas now it's so much more than that. You've got so much more history behind Mm -hmm. Paul. There's so much more emotion built into the concert. You've got the tributes to John and to George and occasionally to Linda. You know, all that ties in, and for me, it's not just about the music anymore. It's also Mm -hmm. looking at the people in the audience, seeing Mm -hmm. the different age groups. I mean, I was watching a father and son in Philadelphia. The the father, I would guess, is probably about 30 years old, and his son, I would guess, was 10. And they're both bopping to Beatle music, and I'm amazed that this 10-year-old, or I think he's 10, knows this music. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, I'm also seeing this 30-year-old enjoying the full concert and hearing he he obviously knew more than just the Beatles stuff. He was getting into Let Me Roll It like like there's no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, so seeing all these different age groups at a concert, all relating to this music. And uh, it's such an incredible thing. You've got, you know, more than 50 years of history with this man for so many of us. And, uh, you know, some people, every time I bring my wife, she's crying <laughs> in the sure. middle of the show. Every time, every time he does The Long and Winding Road, tears come down her face. You know, mm-hmm. that song does something to her. And um, just to know also that, we really should feel blessed that this man's doing anything anymore, let alone giving us a concert that's almost three hours long. (laughs) And yes, he could do an hour and 10 and people still leave happy. No, sure. Right. I know. You know, yeah, I got to say when he walked on stage at Candlestick, this shudder just went through me. It was like, I can't believe I'm actually seeing him again. You know, even though I'd seen him before, I mean, just to, to be in the same airspace with him same with Ringo but oh, I mean right. yeah. it, it's it, it, you know you just feel you just it, it, it's hard you try to especially if you're writing about it or reviewing it you try to stay a little bit try to be a little low key and try not to yeah. get too emotional but boy when he walks out on stage I'm sorry there's just no getting around it you know there really uh-huh. isn't I mean you, one of the uh, most creative human beings there ever has been and you're you're looking at him, and he's maybe looking at you. I know, uh, I haven't been. I, I have to say, I mean, other than you know, other than some uh, a news um, event when I when I uh, covered it in Hollywood, uh, and I was right next to him. But I did have a an, uh, um, when I saw him in San Jose. God, I can't remember what the when he did one of the San Jose shows, and he he pointed at me, and and I'm almost positive, I mean, he pointed at me, and, and boy, that was just thrilling to, to have that. I mean, it's not a being up on stage, but when he, when he points oh. at you, you know, that's just, that's Look, just too much. It's like know? being hit with a stun gun. Right. It's, it's like being hit right. with a stun gun. I've seen him do that to people after press conferences, just walk down the line of 12 people, and every one of them look like they've just been hit with a cattle prod. Zap, 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 zap. zap. Got to go now. Yeah, what is that called? Yeah. Significant eye contact or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah, I've seen I've seen stories where where reporters have written that they have you know that they've talked to him after you know they, when they've written up their interviews and it's like I'm supposed to write this impartially but I can't I'm sorry that's not going to happen here you know yeah. and and they just melt and and you know and it's it's. Well, I guess- 
I That's have to really say, interesting I'm really glad saying to hear that. you guys say that because I'm, I guess everybody has their own experience that they walk through. And I was thinking, I've always thought that I'm the only one that it, that it gets, that gets that emotional or affected by the, uh, the significant eye contact or the, the whole, uh, the event as a whole. And, uh, mm-hmm. if it ever stops, if it, if it ever stops having that effect on me, that's when I stop. Yeah, because right. that's the yeah. the emotional impact that 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 event has is a very very much a, a a you know like the priceless type commercial there. There's there's no way to put a either a dollar value or a measure measure on that. But right. uh, if it ever stops and for me, know, I stop going. And I think if it ever stops for Paul, that's when it'll stop for us all. Yeah, right, right, he, he, right. Clearly, clearly feeds on that thing that we were just describing there, and um, he he seems to still love it and get that the, the same buzz that we do from it. So yeah. I hope that never. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve, yeah. Steve, you were just saying something that made me realize. You know, I I've been noticing in recent years every time Paul does a concert and I read a review of it, every single one of them is glowing. Yeah. I mean, I never see anything negative about his concerts at all. And when you reach, I guess, that icon status and also someone that, you know, you've shared so much history with, it's almost like impossible to complain about someone who's giving you, who has given you so much and is still giving you so much. So it's just remarkable, you know. And and believe me, when you do, when you, if you do say, you know, if you do write things about you know problems that shows you hear about it because people don't like to read it, but I mean, I, you know, one thing that was in, was I mean, getting into this, my McCartney contact moment was at the Walk of Fame ceremony because I was down right in front um, taking pictures, and he came and stood directly in front of me, like three feet in front of me, because there was a kid several rows behind me that had a, a, a Hofner bass replica that he ended up signing that was passed over to him but he stood there and i'm and i'm taking pictures and i'm trying to think of something to say and i couldn't say anything i I was i was i was just shaking i was literally shaking trying not you know i was just trying to make sure i got the pictures which i did but boy i'll tell you that i mean yeah i know that's how it is it's just it's it's incredible Overwhelming. Anyway, it's overwhelming. overwhelming mm. is, is um, does anybody want to ask Rick one more question? Well, before um, that, uh, that made me think of one thing I would like to add that over Go the ahead. years that I have also been talking to his, his, you mentioned talking that his crew recognized me or we recognize each mm-hmm. other and stuff like that. I hear mm-hmm. the exact same type of stories and uh, emotions from them. His, his personal photographer, his videographer, for his security guys, his his the the sound man, every single one of those guys have uh, over the over the years told me at least one, if not regular, stories about how you know he comes to their birthday parties and brings them a gift. He he uh, gives them a gives them gifts and comes and sees their kids and uh, when when they're just being born and the genuine thing that he brings to the table too. It's a fall back on that corporate thing. Again, if you got a good leader, you're inspired to do a good job. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a good leader, you don't. And those guys say they are literally all inspired to work for him. And when you can get somebody to say that for you, not from a fan perspective, but from an employee standpoint, that that's a, there's a genuine 
genuine article that that comes with that. It's it's very very good to hear them say that, and it's really good to hear you guys you guys say that it affects you in such a such a similar way than uh, than it affects me. I get people that tell me after the show, man, I was really surprised to see you rocking out there to the to let me roll it or whatever it may be. I, I expected you'd be standing and taking notes and taking pictures all night. Sorry, <laughs> that's not me at all. So that that that's that's good to hear here for sure. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Alan, were you going to say something? Uh, no, uh, I, I think it's a, it's you know vicariously exciting hearing Rick's story of uh, of going on stage and uh, and and reading about it as well. And uh, I, I think I'm satisfied with the uh, discussion we've had to this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Rick, on behalf of all of us, thank you very much for for coming aboard and, and sharing the stories. Uh, well, sure thing. And you should come back I'm yeah, writing I'm down all, all the notes on this and uh, all the literally the blow by blow word for word. And there there is more to the story. <laughs> we'll be in the next issue of uh, Beetle Fan Magazine. I'm, Got sure, a- I'm great. I'm sure. Here we go. Gee, we and go. how do uh, how do colleagues of yours from Beetle Fan get get a hold of maybe one of those fans on the run buttons? <laughs> oh, I see. Now I see. To understand the point of this, I will, <laughs> actually, we, we are we are working we are working on ways to get more. Those were handmade by a friend of mine just for me, and he he has gone out of his way to make another batch. And we are um, we're we're looking into a way to get those in the hands of the people who who do want them and uh, deserve them. And uh, okay. you're on that list, all you guys. Uh, thank that? you, sir. Thanks. We'll, thank we'll you talk. Very much, we'll talk about how to get that to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, we want right. to thank we want to thank Rick Glover for being our special guest uh, today. If you want to write to us, uh, you can write to us at Things We Said Today Radio Show at gmail dot com. We have a, a Facebook page. We have two Facebook pages actually, because there's a group and a, and a radio page. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, just gonna say uh, thanks to everybody, uh, uh, Al. Uh, Ken and Alan and Rick and we will see you next time. Mm